You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Wow, Pastor, that's quite a build-up to ask us for our money. I am not going to ask you for your money today at all. God is going to ask you for your life, and that's going to cost you a whole lot more than your money. So let's just clear the air right now, all right? We are asking you as a church for a radical transformation of your heart today, all right? We're going to turn some things around. Uh, The whole kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. It just doesn't make sense logically and, and in the world's eyes, okay? And so we don't live like the world. We don't even want to try to start living like the world. Uh, But the world encroaches in so often on our lives, uh, and we begin to take on sort of that resemblance sometimes. We start to look more like the world than we do the church. Uh, And so one of the things that we want to do is guard our hearts and our actions, our lifestyle, our presence, and our effectiveness in the community Uh, in such a way that the world does not begin to perceive that we are like them, but rather it perceives more and more that we are not like them and that there is something uniquely and radically different about us and that that will cause an inquiry and they will begin to ask questions and watch us uh, and, and see who we are and what we do. And that was one of the major marks of the early church was their radical generosity and their willingness to sacrifice, okay? And so that's what we want to come down to today is this is a part of who we are. And so the question that I'm going to pose to you today is what does it look like to be a church of generosity? And when I say a church, I mean a body of believers. I mean a group of people who have sold out so radically to God that they are willing to lay everything at His feet and let Him distribute whatever it is that they have to lay down or need to lay down or are willing to lay down uh, as He deems fitting and proper and right and good within the context of the community and even the world beyond, all right? So we're saying we're going to all go to the cross. We're all going to lay it down. We're going to do what the Bible says to do, and that is to offer our lives as a sacrifice unto the Lord, which he says is our reasonable act of worship uh, to do. It's not anything exceptional. It's not anything special. It's not anything uh, unbelievable or out of the ordinary or extraordinary. It is just simply the reasonable thing that we need to do as God's people. And why would we see it that way. Why would that be our perspective? And I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about that this morning, and then I want to get into what I feel like is a very, very important thing for us to do. Why would we do this right now? Why, do, why am I interrupting a series on metaphors of Christ uh, to bring you this particular message? Uh, well, technically, I'm not going to interrupt the series. Technically, in a very reaching and stretching kind of way, I'm going to pull out a metaphor over here, all right, for you. Now, all the metaphors I've used in this series so far have been actual metaphors where Jesus stood up in the crowd of people and said, I am. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the vine. You are the branches. That sort of thing. All right. I can't. Listen, I searched the scriptures knowing full well that there wasn't one, but I just went back just in case. You know, is there any place where Jesus said, I am the gift? No. But it is so doggone implied all over the scripture that you cannot get away from it. 
All right? And so today, I'm giving you an implied metaphor, and that is because God gave, He is the gift. All right? And so Jesus is that gift that we offer. And all of our gifts come under that umbrella of Jesus as the greatest gift that has ever been given. And so all of our giving should come out of the same dynamic and the same drive that Jesus was given, and that is love, love from the Father. So let me give you three things this morning, and then we're going to move right into sharing. And what we're going to do is we're going to bring up these various ministries that we have chosen to work with, and we are going to to hear from them, and we're going to bless them, and we're going to pray for them, uh, and all of that. Now, we're doing that because we want to create a generous spirit in Life Church. We want to create a culture, if you will, that is counter to the culture of the world. And so we're going to create this culture. And we're not just going to do it by talking about it. We're not just going to do it by praying about it. But we're actually going to do it by coming against the work of the enemy that is operative in and outside of the church. And that is a spirit of hoarding and being stingy and keeping to oneself and not giving, not being generous, not loving, uh, not being helpful, those kinds of things. And the best way to to guard against those things is to choose intentionally to act in the opposite or opposing spirit. And so we choose to be generous. We choose to be giving. Uh, The second reason that I would like to do this right now is, in case some of you haven't heard, we bought a church building. We bought a building over on uh, 501 North Elmwood. We're going to renovate that building. We're going to make it look much different than it does now. It's going to be tailor-made to Life Church. Uh, We're going to move this part of our ministry over there. We're doing that so that because we are growing and we have a need for more seating in our church, uh, we don't want to go to two services and break you all up. You're a happy uh, little family together so uh and you've let us know that so we are going to to move over where we can expand and we can grow keep our one service format and all of that we're going to keep this building here uh we're going to still continue to do ministry here the college ministry resonate will be housed right here and we're looking and praying about other opportunities for what we might do now what 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 are you trying to say pastor this is what i'm trying to say if we are not careful we can get in our minds that we are a very affluent congregation we have a building and we have land and it's paid for uh we have the money in the bank to help us purchase this property property with a very small mortgage hopefully uh we have all these things in in place we're going to spend some money and renovate this building so we're going to be doing all those kind of things that a lot of people in churches get caught up in like kinds of carpet to buy and colors of walls and 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 balcony railings and whether there's a door here or a door there and all of those stupid little things that really don't matter a whole lot but we can get all consumed with those and they can become the idols of our lives and we can get so involved in this church that we can forget that this church is only only a strategy to win the lost and it's not the thing that we're after and about and so to get us sort of in the right mindset in the right frame up front as we begin this process, then we want to set the foundation. We want to do sort of an apostolic setting here, if you will, something foundational to us that says, this is what we build on. And we build on our generosity, not our blessing. All right, And so we understand that we are blessed, and we're blessed to get a church. We're blessed to grow. We're blessed to have the resources to expand in different ways and do other things. But we're blessed to be a blessing. 
And so I would like to give you three little things to think about this morning uh, before we showcase these marvelous, marvelous ministries that have tenure in our city and they have been here and they have been working hard and uh, they are seeing the fruit of their labors and we are benefiting from the fruit of their labors and we need to be in their camp. We need to be blessing them. But there are three things that I want you to understand this morning. And the first one is God gives even to the ungrateful and the wicked. And I want you to understand that. I want you to grab a hold of that. But more than you grabbing it as something that is sort of like you just know it in your mind, I want it to grab a hold of you and change your heart. Okay? I want you to understand how God gives. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, I think is one of the most wonderful verses in all of the Bible. But God shows, God demonstrates, God gives out His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And here's what I want to pose to you to think about. Have you been saved so long that you forgot what it was like to be lost? Is it something that's been so a part of the fabric of your life for so long that you take for granted what Jesus has done for you? And, and does, do you not feel compassion and do you not feel compelled to go in the name of Jesus? Do you not feel that what God has given you is really not for you, but it is for the lost of the world. See, if you only see these people outside of the kingdom of God as undeserving, are, are, are dirty, are, are uh, sinners, or whatever, you will not want to give to them. But God did not bless you. He did not bless you with eternal life, and He did not bless you with resources, and He did not give you a hope and a future for you to bring that on yourself and live a life of luxury in this earth. He intended that you would be blessed in order that you could be a blessing to others. I was reading some blogs and one pastor was sharing. He goes, we decided that we wanted to be generous in our church. I was trying to figure out some churches that had, had sort of discovered how to really, you know, be generous and, and create this culture. And he goes, he goes, it can't hardly be done. He goes, I, I can't hardly do it. He goes, this is so hard. And he goes, he goes, we decided we wanted to be generous, and we, we announced it, and I preached about it. And then, and then my wife and I had this extra car, this little Camry, and, and we decided we were going to give this to someone. And so we found this person in the church that was very needy, and, and we tried to give them the car. And, and, you know, they just were not grateful. They were not happy. They did not appreciate it. They just, they just took advantage of us. And he goes, to be quite honest with you, and this is what he wrote in the blog, I just wanted to punch her in the eye. Well, we need to understand we were once there. We were once there. We were living in that ungrateful place because we were sinners. And there, Christ died for us. He didn't say, get your life cleaned up and then I'll save you. He didn't say, start doing things right and I'll save you. He didn't say, start being nice to people and I'll save you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us us. God gives even to the ungrateful and the wicked. The second thing is God uses generosity to establish relationships. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says, do you presume 
on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And I would ask you, are you just going to receive all of this goodness and this kindness from God and not let it do the work that it needs to do, the deeper, greater work in your own heart, which is to help you to see your own sin and to repent of that in order that you might have dynamic relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? It is through repentance that you come to God. It is through repentance that you come to Jesus. It is through this repentance that that the relationship is set in order and made right and made good between you and the Lord. And the intent of the goodness of God to give to you eternal life is so that relationship can be restored. Now, this whole scenario goes a bit further. You can carry it out even even more. And, And you need to understand, without his generosity, including his generous grace, his generous forgiveness, his generous patience, his generous love, and all of these things, we would never have the opportunity to know him. We, we would not be able to have intimacy and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's amazing how often that God uses generosity to, perform, to, to sort of make or form those really proper kinds of relationships. When he wanted to establish his relationship between the church in the book of Acts and the non-believing world, what did he do? He prompted the church. He didn't go after the world. He prompted the church to go after the world. And he prompted them to practice radical generosity. It's amazing the stories that you can find. They sold their fields and they distributed all of what they had to give to those in need. And they reached out to those who were in extreme poverty. And and, and it says in 2 Corinthians that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. That's an amazing testimony. They didn't just give what was convenient. They just didn't take the petty cash they had in their back pocket on a Sunday morning and give it in the offering and say, good, there it is. They didn't take their pocket change and throw it out to something while holding their $20 bills in in their pocket, so to speak, all right? And so so what I want us to understand is when God wants to change the world, He he doesn't do it through brute force. He doesn't just go out there and make it happen. He equips His church with spiritual gifts of all kinds and types. And these gifts are generously poured on us as the church. And the intent is of God is that we would generously pour these gifts out to benefit the world. And we don't do that by first judging the world. We do that by repenting of our own disobedience and rebellion and then allowing God to change our very heart. So that first relationship is God and us. Second relationship is us with one another. And third is us with the world. And we got to get there. That's, that's where we've got to land, is in that place where we care about the lost. Understanding the third point that I want to bring you, and that is that God gives his very best. God gives to people who don't deserve it. God gives for the purpose of making relationship. And God gives his very, very best. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave what? He gave this gift, all right? His only son, that whoever believes will not perish, but have eternal life. God spoke the words that formed all that we see, and he looked over all of creation, and he never once said, oh, this will do. Yeah, this will be all right. Or, or, oh, well, they'll abandon me anyway, so this is sufficient for them. This is okay. This will get by. This will get it done. No, he looked at the world and said, this is very good. What he created is very good. He, he, saw the, he put the value in you. 
long before you were born. While you were yet a sinner, He gave His Son. He put that value on you. And you and I must have new eyes to see the world the way God sees the world. And we've got to be able to see the church the way God sees the church. And we have got to become the church that God intended us to be. And that is going to require you and I to change our hearts, to repent of the ways we have lived, and to become a people that is so generous that it just totally mystifies the entire world. That they, they don't see us any different than the great global leaders in the day of the book of Acts saw the early church. Look at these Christians, they would say. Look at them. They don't only go and, and, and take the abandoned babies of other Christians. They take the babies that are ours, that we're responsible for. They don't only feed their own poor. They, they feed our poor. It would do us well to look at these Christians and become more like them. These are things that were said about the early church. And you and I are no less responsible than the early church. And so the intent of God is that we are in unity and harmony with one another, that we're loving each other as, as Christ loves the church, uh, and that out of that love for each other, we become intentional to be utilized to do the work of the kingdom. That means we all should be working together, uh, and we shouldn't be arguing and fussing about little trivial things that are going on, and we shouldn't be about our own best interest, but we should be about the interest of others and all those kinds of things. And so those are the things that I want to say to you today, all right? And, and I believe that God wants to do this because this is his word. And so what we're going to do as a church now is we're going to do this. We're going to actually apply this, all right? We're actually going to act on this right now. And we're going to be a generous church, if you will, okay? And so what I want to do is I want to uh, invite some people to come up. Pastor Dave is going to uh, join me as well here. And what we're going to do is we're going to let each person that, that we call up in their ministry come up, and they're going to talk real brief for just a moment about their ministry, what they do, who they are, and what they do. Um, and then either I or Pastor Dave will tag on to that, and we'll explain the relationship that, that we feel is important for Life Church with this organization. Um, after we do that, uh, or during that process, Pastor Dave is going to give each of these individual ministries uh, a financial gift. So we're going to give $1,000 to each one of these ministries that come up today as Life Church. And we're going to do that. And, and some would say, well, that's a lot of money. And you could, you could, man, you could buy a lot of carpet with that. You could buy a lot of paint with that. Th that would get the balcony started. That, that, would, that would do the landscaping. That would do this. That would do that. Yes, it would, but it's not going to because we value something more important than we value this strategy to go and win the lost in our community. We are blessed to be a blessing first. And so we're going to set that order today. All right? So I would like to start to do that now, and I would like to ask Brian, uh, Brian Narcomy, to come up. And um, Brian is one great man in the city of Sioux Falls. And um, do you have the, the microphone? Sweet. Now, Brian works uh, with some really wonderful people downtown in the center of the city at Center of Hope. And uh, he's going to just tell you a little bit about that. I don't want to steal his thunder, okay? It's on, so you're good All to right. go. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor Bill. You're welcome. Dave. Uh, my name is Brian Arkamy. I uh, serve at the Center of Hope. I am originally from Oklahoma City. Uh, be five years that I've been here pretty soon. Next, uh, well, this coming March, actually. Anyway, we find it a privilege and honor to be able to serve 
uh, Sioux Falls, especially myself. I'm an outreach coordinator and pastor. Uh, my job, or I say my service, is uh, going out, doing pulpit supplies. I do funerals for Native families, visit in hospitals, do house visits, go on the streets, uh, the banquet, do a lot of outreach ministry. Uh, at Center of Hope, we have the privilege of sowing seeds of God's love physically and spiritually. And it's through what we have there, and we have a lot of Bible studies. We have seasonal uh, Bible studies in the fall. We have uh, women's and men's in the morning. And we have, uh, I have a Bible study down at the Bishop Dudley House on Thursdays. And that's uh, 3.30 to 5 p.m. We have a bike to work ministry. And that's uh, helping with transportation to and from work. And we have our care center, which we uh, have a lot of computers. Not a lot, but four. So we have uh, a telephone that they can use. Uh, three different pastors. We have cell phones that they can call home or make long-distance calls. We receive fax and get send faxes. Uh, we do referrals. Uh, we have our faith commanding community nursing, uh, which lady over here said she uh, came her nursing class had volunteered so we have that we have uh, it's health education and uh, promote wellness and health screenings and referrals we have our journey camp which Pastor Fred uh, gets a lot of our youth involved and now we're going up to a higher age group we have our mother baby baskets expecting mothers they can come down and receive a basket for whichever gender they're having we have a winter clothing ministry. So we have a lot of winter clothing, gloves, coats, and uh, boots. And we have our sports nights, which will be ending in March, and that's seasonal. So we have basketball night for a lot of the younger native gentlemen. And we have a Bible study there, and we have our sharing Christmas program. And uh, community outreach helps with that as well. There's nine ministries within this building. So we all get to collaborate with each other, and we refer each other uh, people. You know, the, the, the ministry that we do, and for myself, and as uh, Pastor Bill was saying, you know, in Isaiah fifty-five eleven, he says, I send my word out, it does what I desire it to do, and it won't come back void. You know, even in Corinthians, where he tells us that we're a family, and some may seem the weakest. Those are the ones that we cover the most. Because we're all connected. We're all family. It doesn't matter where we come from. There's hurt. You know, we think of, for myself, when ministry becomes difficult, I just think of Jesus. Because he went out amongst the people, the hurting. So it's uh, sh sharing his love. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm thinking, I preach in front of some big congregation, but it always becomes that I have to get calm. Because then I get excited. That's even a miracle because I used to not talk at all. But anyway, we have some brochures out front, and we have some applications for uh, volunteers. So welcome to look at that, some of our brochures. And so uh, if you have any questions, I'll be out there, but also uh, refer to these brochures. Sweet. Thank you. Can you stay up here with me, Brian? Yeah, you can applaud. Now, the connection for us is that we have, we have several people who have come out of the penitentiary, uh, and uh, they've been able to utilize the facilities down there. Uh, 
these guys take older bikes and they refurbish the bikes um, and have them ready for people to be able to use for transportation. Um, and uh, so if you have old bikes, you could donate bikes. You can donate clothing. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can bless them. Um, so here's what I want you to understand. We're blessing them today. This is sort of like our jump start in terms of our blessing. But what we're asking you is that you consider prayerfully blessing them continually throughout the year in whatever ways you are capable of doing. So it, it's up to you to investigate and find out what you can do. All right, so that you can be a blessing to them. All right, because they are a blessing to Life Church and individual people in Life Church who have been able to utilize their facility here in the downtown area. All right, um, the second person as coming up is Lois Masick. Did I say that right? Did I say your name right? Or close? Masick. Masick. I met Lois's husband in 1991 when I first came to Sioux Falls, and uh, he's been a favorite person of mine. Uh, he, he managed the Fountain Bookstore uh, at that time. They are involved, very much involved, from the, from the very get-go in a ministry called the Friday Food Giveaway through Faith Temple Church. And so Lois is going to share a little bit about that. Hi there. Um, yeah, Friday Food Giveaway held on Fridays. Uh, <laughs> most of them, unless there's a holiday or the fair. Uh, we're up at the Johnson Nordstrom building on the fairgrounds on the north side. Uh, used to be in our parking lot, but um, when um, October came, we decided we probably wouldn't want to be outside when December came. Um, all started in 19, uh, 20, 2009, excuse me. Um, Pastor Jeff walked into Feeding South Dakota, um, and here on the computer of the director said, Call Faith Temple, call Faith Temple, call Faith Temple. Pastor Jeff just happened to walk in that day. Um, so in the seven years since, um, we have given away six million pounds of food, and it's touched tens of thousands of people. The uh, first few weeks that we had it, there were maybe 60 people that came through the line. We now have 300 to 450 people a week come through. They get a box, and they get to choose food. And um, each box um, serves maybe three to four people. Um, just this week, I had a woman come through. She's only been through a week or two. And she said, oh, gee, I don't have to be vegetarian this week because I gave her a little ham. And she's been living on beans. Um, we've had families come through where the husband and wife haven't had a job for two months, three months. Um, besides the food, we also pray for people. Um, give them hope, encouragement. Um, we've prayed for healings, and some people have been healed. Um, it's just an awesome, awesome experience. Um, and then, you know, why do we do it? Because Jesus says, I was hungry and you fed me. What other reason can you have? Thanks, Lois. Yes, thank you, Lois. We're so excited that uh, Christians are leading the way in this effort in Sioux Falls. Every time I hear a Faith Temple ad uh, advertising for people to come get food, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm excited because uh, this is what Jesus told us to do. And there, there is a great need in this city. As affluent as it is, there's a great need for um, supplemental food. And, and this does not take the place of them having to work. 
but this is an addition that comes alongside them and, and really can help people get back on their feet. Um, we're connected to it because several of our people have used the Friday food giveaway, um, especially some of the guys coming out of prison. Uh, they, they don't have jobs right away, and it's a really tough thing to come out of prison and make it. I mean, it just is. That's one of the, the realities of why recidivism is so high is it's really hard to make it when you get out. And this, this helps them eat. Um, this really does. And so it's just been a huge blessing to us. I know some of you have gone out and served on Friday night, and we continue to encourage you to do that. They need workers. They need people to pray and just be a, a presence of Christ there. Um, help out with different things. And, of course, we were able to bless them with some sweatshirts this past Friday. And, uh, and Mike took them out there and just said it was an awesome, awesome deal to be able to bring some sweatshirts. And so from time to time, we'll get something like that in and just want to pass it along. So thank you so much, Lois. And uh, we're praying for you. Thank you. And God bless you. The next organization that we want to highlight is Young Life, all right? And we have two members of our congregation who are on staff, paid staff with Young Life. They're going to come. Uh, we have others that are also involved, but they're going to share with you. Hello. <laughs> Good morning. Um, yeah, so Kayla and I are, are on staff with Young Life, and, and Young Life is a, a worldwide organization, uh, parachurch ministry, uh, that that seeks to, to introduce adolescents to Jesus Christ and to, to help them grow in their faith. Um, and, and, and what that looks like is, yeah, it's, there, there are those of us who are on staff, but it's primarily a, a volunteer, um, just led and, and, and foundationalized um, ministry uh, in which from, from college-age Christians to retirees um, who, who have it in their hearts to um, bring Jesus to, to high schoolers, to, to adolescents. Um, and and how, how we do that in, in Sioux Falls, what that looks like in Sioux Falls is uh, we, have, we have teams or a presence in, in Roosevelt High School, Lincoln High School, uh, and, and now the Volunteers of America uh, with, with Open Doors also at, at Washington. Um, and, and within each of these, uh, we through just God's great blessings of, of just relationships and open doors with administration, um, have been able to go into the schools uh, fully sharing, sharing our heart with administration to, um, to, to present the love of Jesus with high schoolers, but going saying, how can we serve? What are ways we can serve you and, and your students, this school? Uh, and, and that looking like like lunch mentoring, um, either individually or, um, or, or in a group setting, um, going and doing homework help that we may or may not be qualified for, <laughs> um, uh, just hanging out um, before school, after school, during lunch, going to, to activities, um, but then also in, in the midst of going to where high schoolers are at, um, being able to, to get to know them, um, to... to to meet them on, on their turf, to, to, to really earn the right to be heard, that, that then we can invite them to, to Bible studies in which we have 50-plus students waking up at 6.30 in the morning to go to a Bible study, in, in which um, we can invite them to, to Monday nights where, where we're going to have fun and, and play games and sing songs, but also the gospel is going to be proclaimed throughout the semester. Um, and, and that's just really exciting. 
um, and really, really exciting. And, and Kayla is going to share uh, another new avenue, um, well, new in Sioux Falls Avenue, that, uh, that Young Life is, is finding a, a foothold. So Young Life has a couple of additional branches to it that target specific populations of students. Um, and the one that we're working with is called Capernaum. It's Young Life for Students with Disabilities. And I um, thoroughly enjoy the fact that we're a group that is going to do this because there are students with disabilities, there are people with disabilities in our city, but you don't see them in most places because these students aren't invited to things. You don't see a good representation of people with disabilities within the church. And so Young Life Capernaum is seeking to be that branch, inviting these students into relationships with people, inviting them into a relationship with Jesus, and inviting them into the church. And so our hope is that we'll be a bridge for students with disabilities to get involved with the church. Um, I love Young Life. I um, met my first Young Life leader when I was 13, and through my relationship with her, understood the good news of the gospel, and that's how I began to follow Jesus, is she modeled it to me, she invited me into it, and um, as I went off to college, was invited into Young Life in a new way as being a leader, and Young Life has been a place where I have been invited to explore the gifts that God has given me for ministry. It's been a blessing to me um, to just be able to know the Lord through it and to be able to know how the Lord has called me to serve him. So Young Life is um, just a really great organization that seeks to love students well and to invite them to follow the God who loves them even more than the leaders do. And so it's, it's, it's totally based on relationships. Um, and and those, those relationships, first and foremost, are with, with high schoolers, um, but they also end up being uh, with, with community members, with, with churches, um, with, with businesses, with schools. Um, and and we, we have the great, uh, I don't know, it's a great joy to, to also say uh, a, lot of, a lot of leaders from, from Young Life uh, go to Life Church. Uh, so if, if you're a leader, would you stand up um, or, or wave your hand? Come on, stand, stand up. Stand up, you guys, come, come on. on. Um, so... So, so know that as, as you, as we are, are supporting Young Life, we're supporting one another. Um, that, that we, as a church, are, are going uh, and, and loving high schoolers. And that is, uh, that is so cool. Um, so, so thank you. Amen. Thank you. Okay, next we want to call up Rhonda Haverhalls. And uh, I told Jeff this morning, I said, Rhonda doesn't have to say anything if she doesn't want to. She can just come on up and, and get the check because this is, a, this is a ministry that you're going to hear about ongoing. And you've heard Jeff and Rhonda sharing. And this is a ministry that we've actually been in partnership with um, for, I think, a little over a year now. And August Burley first came to us and said, you really got, you've got to hear about this ministry. And so I sat down with Pastor Jeff and really love what they do. Kingdom Boundaries is a prison aftercare ministry. Um, and, and basically, their main focus is just what I talked about a moment ago, helping men who are Christians that get out make it, helping reintroduce them into society. 
And through their ministry, Rhonda, what's the statistic? How much does Kingdom Boundaries lower the recidivism rate? I thought it was like by 75%. Um, we don't have any statistics ourselves, but the other research is is 75% if there's spiritual involvement with that. So, so yes, yeah, 75%. Um, and, and the recidivism rate for people who don't get care after prison is just extremely high. Um, so this is a ministry that really does have a profound impact um, in this community, but also in this church. We have several uh, men that have gotten out of prison within the last couple of years that are here, and we love you. We just want to say that to you. We love all of you. All right? We love you, and you are a blessing to this church, and you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That is your identity, Amen. all right? And so uh, we, we believe in Kingdom Boundaries. Uh, we will be working with Kingdom Boundaries. We have given to them in the past, and we're just excited to give to you guys again today and to say thank you for all that you're doing, and God bless you as, con- as you continue to do this very, very important work that we get to see the fruit of every week. And so we love you, and we bless you today in Jesus' name. Okay, so you're seeing some felt needs being met. You're seeing people who need food, uh, those needs being met. You're seeing spiritual needs for uh, teenagers and young adults being met. You're seeing how that people in this church are actively involved in all of that. Another area that we feel like is really, really crucial in our community, and especially in the downtown area, is that of health care. And so I would like for Dr. Brian Kidman to come, and uh, we're, there he is, uh, and share with you what Destiny Medical Clinic is doing. Well, thank you, Pastor Bill, Pastor Dave, and a blessed Valentine's Day to everybody. Uh, Destiny uh, started about 10 years ago, probably 12 years ago, if you include the planning and prayer stage uh, before we started. But uh, essentially, uh, Destiny is a ministry that is involved with health care, both in physical sense, but also spiritual health care. And um, just in a small two-minute nutshell, the, um, the ministry in Sioux Falls includes Destiny Family Medical Clinic, which is on Minnesota and between 23rd and 22nd Street. And that is the main clinic. And it we, we see anybody. Uh, we see people, in fact, Probably a large number of people we see are just regular folks with jobs and insurance, so we do take insurance, which then helps to offset the cost of others that are on a, a um, not really a sliding scale, but a discounted kind of flat rate fee, a low flat rate fee for fee, uh, people that don't have any insurance, or if they have major medical but they can't afford the uh, co-pays or whatever, then they would be considered in that program as well. Um, but probably the, the, the two main things that set us apart from other clinics would be the spiritual dimension. So at Destiny, we pray for patients. Uh, we share the gospel with them. Uh, we try to come alongside them to the degree that they're willing. And, of course, you can imagine some folks are more willing than others, and we don't push anything on anybody. But we, try to, we just always try to encourage staff to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit so that when there's opportunities on any particular day that we can step into those and make a difference in people's lives. Um, So the spiritual context, uh, that's a big thing that sets us apart. The other thing is the outreaching 
context. And in Sioux Falls, in addition to the main clinic on Minnesota offering the, um, the discount care, we also have a presence in the downtown ministry center, same place that Center of Hope is at where uh, Brian's at. And uh, we're on the second floor there. Every Thursday night, there's a free clinic. It's an acute care clinic, uh, but it's free uh, for anybody that does not have insurance. And one of our goals is to expand to additional days or evenings or weekend time. But for right now, the funding allows us to be open on Thursday evenings. And then the other part of the outreach of Destiny goes beyond our city borders to other nations. And we just have a real heart to be involved in helping to to care for people in underserved areas. And it's interesting that you, at the beginning of the service, mentioned the 1040 window because uh, much of our focus goes there. We just had a um, group come back from Ghana uh, in West Africa. And then this was just last month. And then back in November, uh, we were with a team uh, in Nepal helping to care for some uh, needs there as well. So it's, uh, it's a local ministry, but it's beginning to extend beyond those borders. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. What did we buy for you before? We bought you an EKG machine? Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the things that we've done for Brian and, and the, the downtown ministry is we purchased um, a year ago, or about a year ago, we purchased an EKG machine for them, uh, which they, uh, that increased what they could do uh, as far as services go. Um, and so um, there, those are things that probably from time to time we will again ask you to assist us in a project where we actually buy uh, something for them uh, so that because it's something that they readily need. They see the need for it because they have patients coming in who require this kind of service. So uh, we would be able to do that. Um, do, you, do you know off the top of your head a little, roughly what would it cost to add a night in services. It, it, uh, it I'm would, sorry. Yeah, it would be about $10,000 for a year's worth of night of one clinic per week for uh, a year would be about $10,000. Yeah. Yeah. So two or three of you could get together and buy a night of, of medical services for Destiny Medical Clinic. Just saying, okay? Uh, <laughs> thank you, Brian, so much. <laughs> So now we're taking care of a whole lot of needs for different kinds of people in our community. And, and we're, we're, I hope you're seeing that we're being a part of that. All right. But here's, here's the thing. None of this can happen without serious prayer. Prayer that, prayer that drives the things that God is doing in the community. And by that, I mean... It, it has a tremendous effect on, on the culture of the city. So it can't be just a prayer group praying. It can't be just an individual praying. Those are things that are very vital and very important. But there somehow has to be a culture of prayer within a community that moves beyond the local church. And uh, we pray here on Monday nights in a harp and bowl fashion. Uh, every Monday night there's prayer. And a lot of times it goes for the city or it may go for this local church or other situations or whatever that, that the Spirit leads 
But there needs to be in, in every city, I believe, uh, some leadership that, that sees the value of bringing the church together for a very intentional, focused corporate prayer and intercession. And uh, so with that, I would like to ask Jeff Moots if he would come uh, and share their ministry with you uh, because Life Church is all about praying. Well, honored to be here. It's my dad and my wife over there. We're the leadership team of the Underground House of Prayer. Anybody familiar with the Firehouse Underground years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this is, it kind of morphed a little bit as the years went by. And we are a uh, citywide prayer ministry. We have full-time staff, part-time staff. And our vision is to do 24-7 prayer and worship live with believers from all across the city. And um, this past summer, we, we had a one-year anniversary of this new um, aspect of the ministry. And we kind of just took churches from across the city and put them on a schedule. And I think we had about 15 churches just picked them randomly out of the, out of the city, including Life Church. And we had about 18 hours a day from 6 a.m. to midnight would be live prayer and worship for the city um, with just a number of churches participating in a small way. And so that's something we'd like to do. I don't know how the Lord's going to do it exactly, but our vision is 24-7 that there be people asking the Lord for uh, revival in the city or uh, just gathering together to be before him in intimacy. And so that's what we're going after. We currently do about 40 hours a week of prayer and worship. Um, there might be a handful of people in the room or it might be a larger group in the room. It just depends on the day and the time. And so we've got full-time staff and part-time staff that are leading that, uh, um, facilitating prayer and worship and just kind of engaging it in a full-time way, which I love. So that's what we're going for. And we all know the power of prayer. Um, but I'm believing for, and our team's believing for, uh, a great awakening in our nation. And so there's, I mean, so many people are praying in the city, so many prayer ministries in this city, but also the nation. But we're believing for a great awakening in America. And in Sioux Falls alone, we're believing for 100,000 people saved. That there be, within six months or a year, 100,000 people radically saved. And so I think about the second great awakening, there's 2 million people saved in two years. There's only 30 million people in America, so 2 million, about 15% of the population saved in two years. Radical salvations, and when you get governors and principals and teachers and all these different people saved, they change everything under them. And so we're believing the same thing. So if we get 15% of America saved, there's about 300 million. That's 20 million people saved in two years. That's all of New York, all of Chicago, Sioux Falls, Minneapolis, things like that. It's a radical move that God wants to do. And so we're believing that if he wants to do something huge, he wants a huge amount of prayer. And so that's our vision is to do that. So we have a a prayer room just about a mile north of here where we have just daily prayer meetings. So we feel called to to get that room going. But we also feel called to gather people to prayer days, um, whether it's praying for a city or for a region. And then we're also focused on equipping believers in the place of prayer. So we have Bible classes and music classes. We have internships in the summer and through the falls for people to to get theology on the place of prayer, but also to practice that and to get um, a more intense schedule in prayer uh, through an internship and things like that. And um, really want to, to steward what God's doing in the city through the place of prayer. So we love Life Church. I think that the Monday nights birth you hop. That's my personal opinion, that just those weekly intercession times, you guys were birthing more prayer ministries all across the city. So I know different ones across this room are doing that faithfully. And so I think you're birthing prayer all across the city and have been. So thank you for your faithful worship and prayer. Thank you, Jeff and Bethany and Pastor Jerry. Um, you guys mean so much to us. Just such a great long-standing relationship, uh, being friends with you guys and, and just sensing the work of the Holy Spirit together. 
Um, you know, we, we talked in life groups the past uh, couple of weeks about the Moravians. And this is like real-life Moravians, you guys. Uh, they're here. And, and th- this is their heart, prayer and missions and, and this focus that God would do something in us. And starting with prayer really is part of Life Church DNA. We don't do anything before we pray. Um, I think it's the height of arrogance as Christians to start doing anything before you pray whether that's preaching or reading the Bible or having uh, any kind of an outreach. If you do something before you pray, that means you're saying, God, we don't need you. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need him to do this. We cannot do this, but he has called us to be on his team. And so we get the plans from him. He, he puts in all the power. He puts in all the energy. And we just come alongside him. And so, Yuhop, you guys are doing a great job. We really appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing. The crazy thing is that oftentimes prayer gets left behind because there's no tangible evidence. You know, we can't point to something and say, well, this was done because of prayer. But I would imagine if you could see in the spiritual realm, you could see major things have shifted because of Yuhop's prayers. Um, and I think that some of the champions in the kingdom of God will be little old ladies that sat in the rocking chairs and prayed all day. And we're like, who are they? They're not Billy Graham or anybody like that. They're just little ladies that prayed all day. And I think that's going to be some of the spiritual giants in the kingdom of God. And so we thank you for your work, and we bless you today in Jesus' name. Well, I'm the next one. <laughs> uh, the next one is something that's near and dear to my wife's heart, and that is Caitlin's Fund. And uh, my wife hates speaking publicly, so <laughs> I'm up here and, and representing them. And really, there's a personal story attached to this one. Um, my wife and I, in our adoption process last year, about last January, um, we were kind of finishing up our support raising to be able to bring our daughter home from Ghana in West Africa. And um, Caitlin's Fund was sort of the last grant that we were waiting on. And they wanted us to come out to Sioux Center, where they're, where they're headed up, for an interview. And we're like... Oh, man, maybe they don't trust us. You know, what's going on? Why do we need this interview? And it was nothing like that at all. These people just were so passionate about caring for us and praying for us. I mean, they prayed for us for like 45 minutes. And we left saying, I don't know if we've ever been loved that much by complete strangers in our whole life. And this is the testimony of Daniel and Carla Grins as well, who adopted and and got help from Caitlin's Fund. Caitlin's Fund is an adoption grant ministry, uh, but they do a whole lot more. And since... Um, since finishing our adoption, uh, the Caitlin's Fund team asked my wife to join the team here locally in Sioux Falls, and she said yes, and it's just been such a blessing um, to come on board with them and for Jenny to be involved with that team because um, they help educate families who are in the adoption process, thinking about it, saying, here's what you can expect. We're going to surround you. We're going to support you. And these are people, Christians, from all over uh, local congregations here in Sioux Falls that get together and do this really cool ministry. Um, they also provide adoption grants. That's a big part of especially international adoption. It's very expensive. Um, they've given out 400 grants for kids being adopted from at least 35 countries. It's a pretty amazing ministry. Um, it's also important to note that uh, Caitlin's Fund is completely lay ministry-led. Nobody gets a salary out of Caitlin's Fund. So 100% of the funds that are donated to Caitlin's Fund go directly to families who are in the midst of adoption processes or uh, to uh, kind of gatherings that help uh, inform and educate and um, benefit those families who have adopted. Because obviously there's a lot of confusing things that happen when you get home. And you're like, how do we deal with this and that? And so they come around and support those families. And so we're going to be blessing uh, Caitlin's Fund today. So, honey, if you want to come up and I'll give you a check. (laughs) 
<laughs> God bless you, and we thank you so much for all your work here in Sioux Falls and around the world. This is an incredible ministry. Amen. Oh, I'm up again. Uh, can we cue up the video, St. Charity? All right, awesome. We got a quick video here for. Um, yeah, we got people in front of the screen over here. If we can slide guys, this way just a little are bit. You want to sit down for a minute so you can watch? Yeah, the it's video, about a four minute video. And then we'll get you back up here in a second. Take a little break. <laughs> Okay, so Kinder Paradise, this is a place near and dear to Jenny and I's heart because obviously our daughter, Dottam, came from Kinder, and uh, we found it to be just a a wonderful example of a Christ-centered orphanage um, that really seeks to train up kids to know Jesus, but also to give them the necessary tools to flourish in their country, in their system. And um, they, they haven't done the Western thing, which is like, we'll come in and we'll show you how to do it, but they've gone in and really hired Ghanaians to do the work. Um, so when you get on, on the, the campus at Kinder Paradise, it's Ghanaian people that are working with the children and teaching them, and they're bringing in Ghanaian professionals to interview them. How, how do you do your job, and what, what kinds of things do I need to learn in school so that I can have this kind of career? Um, I emailed Heike, who you saw her in the video. She's a German lady, good German name. Um, and uh, she, she got back to me just after we had given to them. And, uh, and, and thanked me, but I wanted to share her prayer requests with you because this is an organization that believes in the power of prayer. And when we were there, they have church every Friday night and devotions every morning together as a community of faith with all the kids. And this is what she wanted prayer for. She said, hi, Dave, thank you so much. You've already blessed us by being an encouragement to us. Uh, yes, you may pray for the pilot project we're about to start from next month going on. There's been a stark increase of teenage pregnancies in the Pram Pram district. We find it to be our social responsibility to facilitate education to our community and to help stall this trend. We will go to eight schools, reach out to about 1,700 children plus teachers and adults, and conduct a series of activities on child rights and child protection. We definitely need prayers for all stakeholders uh, willing to participate. Children and adults have to have open minds, understand the message, and carry it on, and for God's grace that everything will go according to his plan. And we need prayers for our soon-to-be and already reintegrated youth and adolescents. So once kids reach the age of about 18, uh, they're either sent off to college or try, they, they attempt to get them reintegrated into the culture, which this is a big problem, as you'll hear. Uh, she says, although we've tried to give them a Christian foundation, they came from different backgrounds and returned to the same. Worse now, because of the openly Ill- acting illegal agencies which try to extort money from them under false pretext of sending them abroad or to Kuwait in order to earn big money. Also worse now, because of ever increase- the ever-increasing influence of 419 internet fraud, Sakawa, very popular blood sacrifices for success and money, and Juju, consorting spiritualists for success and money. She says, Ghana's economy has become so bad and the government is so corrupt and ruthless that people are frustrated and resort to anything at all which might promise them relief. The entire society is corrupted by such ideas, therefore it becomes a big feat for our young people to stay out of it. Ghana has one of the highest unemployment rates of youth on the entire African continent. We cannot do much, but our prayers are needed to protect them. And then finally, she says, another prayer request is that Ghanaians and especially church leaders become convicted by the Holy Spirit and stop promoting rich megachurches all of which preach a twisted gospel, again, for the sake of money. Unfortunately, we found this to be true when we were there. Um, She says, we need the truth, uncorrupted, pure doctrine. 
Once again, thank you all to your congregation for your kind support and prayers. Love you all. Heike. Okay, we have one more to share with you. Um, it's about, I think, eight years ago that we, uh, we went to uh, Brazil for the first time as a church. Um, and it, w- it was a, a very unique experience getting, getting ready to go and actually finding uh, the contacts that we would have there. Um, and it all started a number of years before when my middle son was quite small and we were in a different ch- at another church at a prayer meeting, and uh, the pastor of that church asked everyone to actually stand up and move to the walls on the sides of the church and stand uh, for prayer. So there was going to be this huge circle of prayer, and uh, and my son was quite young, and uh, and he was standing by me, um, and uh, he uh, he kind of tugged on me, and he said. I leaned over and he said, he said, I, I think that, uh, I, that God is telling me that I need to go to Brazil. And uh, I go, well, why would you think that? And uh, he said, Be- because I was just standing here wondering what I'm going to do. And I looked up, and, and so I looked up, and the flag of Brazil was above him. The flags were, of the nations were all around the church. And he says, so I think I want to go to Brazil. And I tabled that and went, ha-ha. And, um, and so, which I did a lot, but uh, I, I was like, you know, I don't know anybody in Brazil, so this is over. And, uh, and, but he kept coming back to me occasionally with this thing of Brazil. And uh, many of you know Daniel Grins, who served us in Life Church for a season, and um, he took teams to different countries, such as China, uh, and places like that. And uh, so I just asked him one day, I said, hey, uh, see what you can find out that we could do in, in Brazil. Um, and he took me up on it, and he made some really sketchy connections in Brazil. Um, and I was just shaking my head, going crazy with this. Uh, but by this time, my son was 14 years old, uh, and he was excited to go to Brazil. And I thought, well, we'll just see if anybody else is excited. Uh, I'm not very excited about this whole little setup. Um, I didn't know any of these people. Daniel didn't know any of these people. It was a phone call from a friend of a friend of a friend and this sort of thing. Uh, and we got a guy named Arnon in Brazil, and uh, he said, yeah, come on. That was it. You know, and I'm like, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just not sold on this. Long story short, um, we went to Brazil. And it, it was, in actuality, one of the most life-changing events for my 14-year-old son. But it also was for me as well. And, uh, and I really developed a heart for Brazil through that process. And so did a number of other people in this church. There's quite a few people uh, in this church who have already been to Brazil and, and done ministry with the teams there. Um, out of that developed a wonderful relationship with a, with a family called the Hoffmans. Um, very good Brazilian name, isn't it? Um, uh, of German descent. Um, and uh, we got to know them and work with them, and uh, they got more and more involved in, in, in ministry um, themselves and uh, became the leaders of Gateway Brazil. Uh, and uh, for the last two years, we've, we've gone down and ministered with them uh, in the Gateway 
uh, uh, conference and outreach. So I'm going to ask uh, Emerson and Karini to come, and uh, we're going to give them a night one night to share with you much more extensively about what they do before they leave and go back on, on February 29th. Uh, but they, they, came, they flew in on December 29th. They've been with us. My wife and I have had the privilege of hosting them in our home, uh, and, and we, we definitely love these people very much. And I would like for them to give you the most brief summary synopsis, window, whatever, of what Gateway is all about. This will be very challenging for them to do so, Thank okay? You. You're welcome, Karini. <laughs> uh, so, good morning. Good morning. I will try to speak English. <laughs> I hope that you can understand me. I'm a little nervous, but let's see. <laughs> um, we work with uh, YWAM in Brazil. We work with uh, King's Kids, another ministry, uh, with children. And Gateway is a project uh, that works uh, to call the church uh, to prepare the way uh, for return of Jesus. How can we do this? Uh, we invite the church uh, to do missions uh, for uh, short time, short term, medium or long term. We, we work uh, according to some points. To promote a relationship with God uh, and one another, which means um, know God and make him know. Uh, to understand the call of God of mission, to build a partnership with people, church, ministry, nations, and to serve the body of Christ. And uh, to help the youth people to understand the, their profession as a response for the um, call of God for mission. And we have a conference uh, where we gather together uh, to celebrate and train people. We believe that uh, mobilization, uh, partnership, and serve uh, are the ways for establish the kingdom. Okay? Do you understand me? <laughs> so, thank you very much for uh, receiving us here. Um, our, your love and your embrace us were way beyond our expectations. So, thank you very much for being patient, lovely to us, and generous uh, in a huge way. We were very impacted by the love of this community, and we plan to return <laughs> someday. Uh, yeah. uh, gateway in practice is um, three things. Uh, train people, partnership, and serve. So we prepare uh, outreach in Brazil with foreigners and uh, uh, people from Brazil to, to serve projects and go to slum areas like huge cities like Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, Amazon, everywhere. So we go with these teams to these places to serve. And also we prepare teams from Brazil to go outside Brazil. Um, that's basically what we do there. Thank you very much. Okay, I have a check for you. Um, theirs is blank uh, because we didn't know what to do as far as money and, and getting the money. So it's a blank check, but it's not a blank check. Okay, you understand, you understand me? Okay, all right. Thank you so much. 
Okay, no, you stay. Everyone else comes back that's been up here. And now we have a, uh, some of our elders who are going to come, and they're going to pray uh, for everyone. So we want you to join with our, our, uh, our prayers as we pray for all of these people. Isn't this a beautiful sight to see all these wonderful people? And to see all the connection with all of these wonderful people uh, that we have here. We've got just a few minutes before the hour. Uh, we want to take a little bit of time to pray. Uh, these people, some of them will maybe be able to hang around. Some may have to leave. So if you need to connect with them, uh, do so quickly after the service today. Uh, these guys are going to pray. And then Nikki is going to come and share the gospel uh, at the end here, okay? You all will be able to sit down once they pray, all right? Dandy, I think I got it all in there. Okay. I'm going to pray for the local ministries. So, Father God, we thank you so much for what you're doing here in Sioux Falls. And, and uh, we just ask now that you would just bless, bless each and every one of these ministries, Lord God. I pray that you would bless the people that, that, are, that have dedicated their lives to serve those who are less fortunate, God. And, and for that, we are eternally grateful for them, God. But even more than that, we are we're grateful to you for giving them that opportunity, Lord God, to serve the people here in Sioux Falls, Lord God. And I just pray now that that uh, as, as we bless them, God, to be a blessing, Lord God, I pray that they would take uh, what you've given them, Lord God, and that you, that you would use it mightily, Lord God. I pray that you, would, that you, Father, would even multiply that, Lord God. I pray, God, that the resources would never run out, Lord God. Whatever they need, God, I pray that you would give to them, God. And, Father, we just pray now that you would just, just touch them, God, as they, have, as they have touched this community, God, that you would bless them, God, that you would give them strength, that you would encourage them, Lord God. Father, we know that sometimes it, it may seem a little blink, Lord God, but I know that you are a God who never fails, Lord God. And, and as someone has said earlier, God, you will never put no more on us than, they can bear, than, than we can bear, Lord God. Neither will you uh, send out your word, God, and it will not accomplish what you're sending out to, to do, Lord God. So we ask that you would bless these individuals, God, that you would bless their ministries, God, that you would give them good, uh, strong uh, Christian people to work beside them, God, that, that you would give, uh, give them people that will... Uh, uh, pray for them constantly, Lord God, that you will give donors, Lord God, to continue to donate, God, to these, to these marvelous ministries, God. We just pray above all, God, that uh, whatever they do or whatever we do, God, would be for the glory of your name, God. So we pray that your, that your blessing would just cover these ministries, God, and that you will do what only you can do, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, you, we are thankful for your love, for your generosity. When we were yet sinners, you died for us, God. And because of your blood running red, you wash our sins white. And you've given us, O oh Father, to be redeemed. And because we are redeemed, O oh Father, we are able to bless. We are able to be a blessing. We bless you, Father, for uh, all these organizations that are working, Father, in order to uh, not only bring your word, but also empower your people. We pray, Father, for the international organization, God. We bless you for those who have been called to, call, to go, Father, in foreign land, Father, and make your name known. We bless you, Father, for those who are reaching out and reaching in and touching the children, Father, and calling them, Father, to come to you and to know you as their creator, as their redeemer, and as their provider. We pray, O oh God, that you continue to empower them. I pray, O oh God, that we will partner with them, not only for one time, but give us, Father, to be faithful in praying for them, lifting them up to you, God, knowing, O oh Father, that you've called us, Father, 
Father, to be spring of living waters. And we want to do that, Father. We want to continue to shine, and we want them to shine for you as well. May you bless their hands, Father, to be a blessing. May you bless their eyes to see, Father, the needs. And may you bless, Father, their feet to go, Father, and fulfill the needs that are out there. We also pray for us, O oh God, that you continue to give us, Father, to give out, not just of, of our abundance, Father, but to give out of our lack, knowing, O oh Father, that as we give, you will replenish. As we, as we bless, you will continue to bless, O oh God. And it will be an ongoing process. You will be an ongoing blessing. We also pray, O oh God, for our church, that you continue to clear the vision for us and give us, O oh Father, to follow your lead, to follow your leadership, and to follow your guidance. And as we are obedient, Father, you continue to open up doors for us. So we bless you, Father, for your goodness. We bless you, Father, for your faithfulness. And we bless you above all, Father, for your love that runs on and on, God. And because of that, we are able to bless. So we are thankful and grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. All may be seated. As we're closing, come on up, Nikki. As we're closing here, Nikki's going to bring the gospel to you in just a moment. Pastor Dave and I just want to make uh, an affirmation to you. Uh, mine is to affirm you and to declare our intentionality uh, that we are in full. Uh, belief in the unity of the body of Christ. And Ephesians chapter 4 says there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And our objective is to understand that God has called His covenant people, the church, to live in a, a, a manner worthy uh, of the unity that is in Christ Jesus. And God, God has called us to live in peace and in unity as much as possible with this fallen world as well. Uh, and while there is a lot of room for disagreement uh, within the church on non-essential matters, the gospel truth of Christ's reconciliation is the only basis for our unity, and that's what we function out of. And we declare not only that we believe that, but we know that these like organizations that we have given to you today also stand and believe in that as well. And so we are intentional to continue to cultivate that unity that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor. Yes, and that, in addition to that, that we commit to working alongside those organizations and especially churches here in this community and around the world. Uh, you know, when we stand and confess the Apostles' Creed, we say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Uh, that's not Roman Catholic, that's Universal Catholic. So we are a part of Christ's body and we get to be a part of the whole of it by staying connected to those churches that are still confessing Jesus Christ crucified and risen again that are still holding people accountable for following him and administrating the sacraments. And so we say we want to be a church that plays nice with other churches. We want to be a church that affirms other churches and blesses other churches and other uh, organizations that are following Jesus and proclaiming the gospel and making disciples. And so we're going to be committed to doing that um, going forward here as well. Amen. All right, Nikki, the gospel. Amen. Um, so this morning, we have practiced generosity and acted as um, unified followers of Jesus in partnership with his ministry on this earth. Um, and I'm actually just going to borrow Peter's words 
in Acts 10 to teach you the good news about this Jesus and what he does in this world. Um, So then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Um, This is the good news, and I'm just going to pray for us. I invite the prayer team to come forward if you need anything. please come and pray with them. Um, So gracious and generous, Father, we thank you that you have acted to heal this world and to bring humanity back to you through Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you to work through us, um, through all the organizations that were here today, and through this body of believers, that we would act as the people of Jesus, that the good news would be heard, and that Jesus would be glorified as we await his return. We ask you to do these things in the name of the risen Lord Jesus. Amen.